0: Welcome to the Good Writing Podcast, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hey. So today on the Good Writing Podcast, we are talking about Trout Fishing in America by Richard Brodigan, a uh, dreamlike, even though I hate that description, but very strange, formally, like, um, inconsistent novel um, that deals with, well, really whatever Richard Brodigan felt like it should deal with at the time he was writing it that day. He takes the phrase trout fishing in America, replaces other phrases with it. He goes off on tangents. It's a beautiful little read. Yeah. Uh,
1: Bizarre is the word Ben's looking for. (laughs) But it's a good time.
0: (laughs) It, It is bizarre. That that is also true. But and it is a wonderful time. And we have a discussion about that. And things get a little personal and interesting. And it's it's a good one. So I hope you all enjoy it.
1: Ben's embarrassed. I hope you enjoy this episode. (laughs) Rate us five stars. Okay, bye. Hi,
0: everybody. Hi, everybody. And hi, Emily. Hi, Ben! So good to see you here today for another episode of the Good Writing Podcast, which uh, we've just introduced this episode. It's
1: another episode of the Good Writing Podcast. <laughs> I love that future me, when we record the introduction, will know what the hell this episode and this dang section that you sent me is about. Yeah. Like future me who introduced this episode is going to sound really confident and then modern past me, current me, this recording is like, I've been what the hell did you send me as per usual.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm good about that. Uh, I, I, I do have some <laughs> notes that I will give you about the um, version of this that I sent you, the, like pdf it was not wonderful so there are definitely some things in this that are like line breaks that aren't supposed to be there like it's okay like yeah it's okay this is just a bad i (laughs) I probably should have mentioned that when i sent it over i realized but like this is just a really shitty pdf i found online because i don't own this book anymore sadly like yeah
1: i was looking at these line breaks like truly like wow i don't get poetry at all i guess because (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, like the the only breaks that are there are, uh, intensely are the ones where it's like if you see a single sentence that's a, the whole paragraph, that's usually on purpose. But a lot of these okay. are just kind of some bullshit that happened when I assume someone typed the entire document out as a word document and, and exported it. Yeah. First of
1: all, somebody is a freak. Secondly, yeah. it doesn't make sense. They dangled three-cornered hats. They did three-dash cornered hats. Yeah cornered hats on a second line and that's when I lost it that's when I was (laughs) like
0: Yeah. Then
1: what have we done?
0: Yeah. No. It, it's it, it's it's a really messy PDF. I'm sorry about that. I, I should have mentioned that. I realized that that probably no. I'm good. Your I had good time. Like, Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Good time. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I hope so
1: future me sounded very confident in that intro, though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but see, it's building. We're building towards the introduction, so you're finding your way there. <laughs> um,
1: Taking my footing.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. But yeah. Um, before we get into all that, though, um, how's writing going?
1: Uh, it's, it's going, man. Uh, okay. it's, it's not really going, man. It's yeah. not going at all. I, <laughs> yeah. I had some great ideas. Um, mm-hmm. I had a good little couple of sentences that I took some time over the weekend to jot down. I said last episode or two epi- when the hell ever it was, um, that my goal is to just do, get back on my 15 minutes a day train. Mm-hmm. And I have not yet succeeded, but that is still my goal. I am restating the goal, Um, visualizing, manifesting. Um, Gosh darn, you'd think 15 minutes a day was a small ask.
0: (sighs) Yeah, you, you would really would. Uh, on a similar note, since you said that, I was like, oh, I should do that too. Uh, same problems, same troubles. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I did it for the first time today. I sat down and wrote for 15 minutes. I got to 15 minutes, and when it got through 15, I was like, fuck it, finally. Ugh! <laughs> like, let's <get> this <laughs> Slam this note. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. God, yeah. I feel...
1: When I'm really not in the mood to write... Like, 15 minutes is enough time. Like, that is not too big of an ask. That is enough time that I will just sit down and do it. But I feel Mm -hmm. like such a pouting child. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. my teacher is standing over my shoulder and...
0: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, 100% that is just... I'm just like, didn't you say you wanted to do this, Ben? Didn't you say that you, like, wanted to make art or something like that? Like, wasn't that something you said you cared about? Like... uh... Come
1: on, (laughs) Ben. Have you ever... It is rare, but there have been a couple of times where I've powered through, like, the
0: pouty child phase and eventually Mm -hmm. ended on
1: being able to, like, really write in that 15 Mm -hmm. minutes. Has that literally ever happened for you?
0: I mean, probably once or twice in my life that's happened. Like, I can't can't say it happened with any regularity, but it's definitely one of those things where, like, it has happened. But, you know, sometimes you just got to get that 15 minutes, though. You just got to get something down on the page.
1: It is work. <laughs>
0: yeah, dude. It that I, I just think that's worth you know pausing on for a second that it's work like it's work to put stuff out there and to try to make something and to try to make something meaningful like yeah
1: yeah I actually I was looking through some old okay can I tell like a I'm gonna tell a longer detour sorry yeah, that please I'm delay us getting to the we to fill topic an hour detour all you uh,
0: want. <laughs>
1: So I watched this documentary about an eco terrorist. It's from twenty eleven. It's called "If a Tree Falls." Colon, a story of the Earth Liberation Front. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't talk about anything other than eco terrorism for a while. And so I was like, "Oh my god, is this my next big idea? Is this the next big subject matter that is like has the legs and the potential and the different angles to be worth exploring in a larger mm-hmm. project?" I started getting really excited. And I was talking with Ocean. and She was like, "You've already done a short story on eco terrorism." And I was like, "I did what?" <laughs> and then I found... <laughs> from like four, five, or five years ago, I did. Wait, what year is it? Yeah, like four or five years ago now. Mm-hmm. I did a short story on. Well, it was actually on soybean farmers who like mm. posed
0: as eco terrorism. I remember Do the you remember story. This story. Yeah, I remember the story. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. So. First of all, my own memory is garbage. And then secondly, I like, I remember at the time, like giving it to workshop and getting like mixed reviews and then re-examining it and feeling like, well, what's the story here? Like, this isn't framed the way that I want it to be. And I'm not currently able to like kill my darlings enough to leave the cute little ditties out mm-hmm. and like really seriously analyze how do I want to, who, who wants, which of these characters is going to be my in on the story and how do I want the story to be structured and so I just walked away and literally forgot about it for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a point when I started telling the story. You were talking about, like...
0: Well, you we were talking about just, like, um, you know, just how hard it is to make things that are meaningful and to have the desire to make something sometimes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, like, walked away. I, like, lost faith in it because I didn't mm-hmm. get, like, glowing receptions. It wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. And now I'm coming back to it, like, oh, my God. This, this is worth it. You know? This is mm-hmm. worth playing with some more mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. we've talked before about how like your taste may be more evolved than your ability mm-hmm. and like how you picture something going is just you may not be able to execute on the level that that your taste wants it to be at still true but also you still have to like just put up with that frustration and keep trying mm-hmm. um otherwise you'll turn around and it'll have been five years and the story has gone nowhere it's just been sitting not not evolving in your inbox in your uh folder
0: mm-hmm yeah yeah the and it's you know you have to push through like it's just the only way to get these things out at all it's uh, half the time but like so you're revisiting this piece now or or do you think you're going to keep drafting on it do you think it has the do you want to turn that specifically into the larger piece or do you want it to be like that is the jumping off point to revisit some of those ideas maybe in a new form
1: I think some of those ideas in a new mm-hmm. form, mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm ready to, I think I, I might want to approach something in a more fractured way. I think you might be inspiring me to like mm-hmm. be less hero goes on a journey about how I structure a
0: mm-hmm. bigger
1: project. Mm-hmm. Um, anywho, yeah, those themes, I'm back in them, uh, back in them
0: good that, that's hey it's somewhere to be like it, it's good to be bad just to have a theme to be driving at for a little while because like i'm definitely feeling themeless you know like every time mm. i sit down to try to write anything new that's th- in the realm of fiction i'm just trying i'm just like i don't know what if there was a corpse and it's like you always <laughs> go from this angle ben like you gotta start somewhere else like yeah it, it's just you know j- just hard oh, having a hard time generating lately like but
1: what are your tricks if you're, like, just sitting down, like, literally, what do I even want to start writing about? What um, What are your tricks? What if, What's worked for you before?
0: Sometimes I just try to start from a sentence. Like, I just try to start from a, a, a like, sentence that I, or a phrase that's been caught on my head, uh, in my head. That'll work out sometimes. Um, I, I need to just go back to old generation techniques and just choose some formal constraints and just see where those take me. Just, just you know, you know. You have to write from the second person you can't use the this set of words you're you're going to have to somehow direct it towards this object or, or like writing to music for generation has gone well in the past just something like that i just need to sit down with and probably do something drastically because that that's where a lot of my best stuff has come from i think like confirmed yeah yeah, yeah
1: that 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 feels true yeah man do it what are you waiting for
0: (laughs) uh to not feel like my eyes are gonna fall out of my head from looking at a computer screen but i don't know if i'm gonna get that anytime soon so
1: (laughs) yeah i don't think the relief of that is coming for you or me or anyone else with these full-time desk jobs yeah
0: dude for sure for sure but yeah all right cool well it's the how's writing going it's the continued struggle um but i i'm happy that you're you're finding inspiration somewhere that's good to hear like
1: yeah i'm glad to hear that you're trying out the 15 minutes a day uh misery as well and i'm not alone
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's the it's the best we can do sometimes but yeah do you want to just get into this into
1: bring me into this ben
0: okay so i had you read the first 12 pages of trout fishing in america uh, I believe, or the first 12 pages of this PDF that is um, Trout Fishing in America up to the end of the the Kool-Aid wino section, I believe.
1: Uh, yeah, I did the walnut one too. Um.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the Walnut Cats up. Okay, yeah, up to the end of Walnut Cats up because that I, I specifically wanted you to get there because that's where he starts doing the trout fishing in America thing more often. So the this is a Richard Brodigan novel. It's not his first novel, but it's his first one that gained any um, sustained um, acclaim. Uh, it's a novel from the sixties, um, which is probably not too surprising given how it reads. Like you kind of feel that hippy dippiness in there for sure. It was a huge hit. This book sold, like, I think something over a million copies worldwide. Like, translated into every language, like, just this huge, huge success. Um, And Richard Brodigan uh, proceeded to continue to write. He wrote a lot. Like, I think he came out with, like, 12 or 13 novels and then an equivalent number of poetry collections. Um, He is
1: doing his 15 a day and then
0: some. he, He was. He really was. And he was never successful again after this book and it destroyed him and he killed himself in the 80s like, what yeah like it, he uh he was a very tragic figure of literature um and, and it's just because Whoa. um it just kind of the whims of the literary market were very unkind to him because he he was you know it, as you can tell from this excerpt he has something of a style that i think reflects maybe a little bit of naivete like it's very gentle at times in the way that it turns like it's a very soft prose Um, Mm. and and he you know he never went away from that and I I think people kind of turned against him a little bit as as things went on in this way because it is just kind of this soft kind of meandering um, you know feels very much like something that a you know a hippie child of the summer of love would write um, Mm. in, in a lot of ways and it's you know but to get into the piece itself. Um, Whoa, hold up. I'm not
1: done on the bio. Yeah. Um, okay. How did you find him?
0: Uh, I found him by my friend Chase uh, actually introduced him to me. Uh, my From the Chase. Three Locos podcast. Yeah. yeah, fellow loco. Indeed. Chase it, it just, like I just saw the book on his shelf at one time and just was very intrigued by the name Trout Fishing in America, and it's, um, well, no, it was, he had this volume that was like, they he, they've released a few volumes of archives that are like three of his books in one and, mm-hmm. and the there is the one that had this book and it was trout fishing in america uh in watermelon sugar and the title on there that intrigued me was the title of a poetry collection um the uh the pill or the spring mind hill disaster i believe is what it was called and mm-hmm. it's um, just you know just very intriguing looking book and he told me about him and I was like wow this this seems fascinating like uh, and mm-hmm. so how do
1: we know he killed himself because
0: of the
1: following books not being popular?
0: By what I've read biographically, it just seems to be a thing where it's like he was not succeeding as a writer. He wasn't going anywhere. Like he used like he felt his literary star was on the rise and it was so he was supposed to be you know bigger than he was and then when he kind of fell off and never had that hit again he fell into despair as a result of this and it was just kind of it seems to have also been a culmination of you know mental illness and a lot of other things as well like uh, i believe yes. he was divorced at the end of his life and uh, a few other you know issues with his personal life and these things all kind of come together yeah crazy yeah.
1: i mean it's just so true like in in reality like there's always several different reasons and some of them are conflicting, conflicting of any, you know, thing that a person does. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Okay, now I'm ready.
0: Go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, I had you read the first uh, 15 or so pages of Trout Fishing in America, um, which is a novel of sorts. You might call it a short story collection. Um, he called it a novel. Uh, it's It's separated into these very small little sections like you saw here, maybe... I think the longest one might be, you know, six pages. There, there, there's, and it's like this book is not long at all. It's mm-hmm. 140 pages in this PDF, and they're all very, you know, one to five-page sections each. Um, the, they go very quickly. And throughout the novel, this big thing that he does uh, seems to be that just kind of whenever he wants to, just when he felt like doing it, he would take a phrase out and replace it with the phrase, Trout Fishing in America so
1: oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh that makes more sense okay
0: (laughs) yeah so trout fishing in america is a person it's a place it's a state of mind it's this kind of poetic catch-all that he can utilize to just kind of exist alongside of the narrator will just exist with it in the prose itself like with, with this kind of presence and and I bring this in because this isn't really so much a a technique but I I think it can be used as a technique um, is that I want to kind of talk about people and and the willingness that we have to be to just kind of do whatever we want when we write Mm. like that that a lack of specific structure can lead you to very beautiful places because I think there are some moments in this book that are, are just like they conjure up such wondrous kind of you know dreamlike childlike imagery that that just feels so impossible that it just kind of reaches for the sublime a little bit. i I think that he does a really wonderful job of just, you know, you're just kind of sitting there with him as he goes through these strange ideas and places. And I think his lack of concern as to whether or not the writing was, quote unquote, good or obeyed some sort of traditional rule set. I think is what allowed him to reach that space where he was doing things that you had that, you know, I hadn't ever really seen before. And I haven't seen anyone else do exactly like, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, heck, I love this lesson. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Um, yeah. Is there a specific of the parts you had me read? Is there like a section we should read on the air?
0: Yeah, let, let's just read uh, Knock on Wood Part 1, I, I think is a very quick little section yeah. that I think does well for that. Yeah. Knock on wood. Part one. As a child, when did I first hear about trout fishing in America? From whom? I guess it was a stepfather of mine. Summer of 1942. The old drunk told me about trout fishing. When he could talk, he had a way of describing trout as if they were a precious and intelligent metal. Silver is not a good adjective to describe what I felt when he told me about trout fishing. I'd like to get it right. Maybe trout steel. Steel made from trout. The clear, snow-filled river acting as foundry and heat. Imagine Pittsburgh. A steel that comes from trout, used to make buildings, trains, and tunnels. The Andrew Carnegie of trout. The reply of trout fishing in America. I remember with particular amusement, people with three-cornered hats fishing in the dawn. (laughs) Like... It's just so deeply strange. the the way he kind of uses adjective to skirt around an image and, and then you can kind of see where that image is without actually being able to see it. like
1: weird. yeah, I've, i I really like, um when you sparingly, of course, like defining something by defining its outline. so mm-hmm. defining it's not this. It's not that. It's not that. And like mm-hmm. you can figure out what it must be based on. Um, so silver is not a good adjective to describe what I felt. Maybe trout steel.
0: Um, weird. Just a weird. Yeah. Weird little ditty. <laughs> exactly. Because it's like, what what is trout steel? Ste- and like, he doesn't know either. You watch him work through it on the page. Maybe trout steel, steel made from trout. Uh, imagine Pittsburgh. Like, he's trying to bring you to this thing that's inside of him but doesn't have the words himself for it. But And it's insane to try to write to something that you feel you don't have the words for because you're trying yeah. to write to it. Like, you're using language to describe it. I, I, yeah. Yeah.
1: The willingness to just keep moving the pen forward on the page. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure there were, you know, I'm there are likely many, many revisions of this, but mm-hmm. to, like... Just stay in the sentence or stay on the image in, until you keep doing it wrong, and, and then finally do it weird, weird in a rewarding way. It's so cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it, it and just it, it leads to those moments, like the Andrew Carnegie of trout. Like that doesn't <laughs> mean anything. That's nothing. <laughs> it, it, but it's. But in the context that he's given you, it be it, it's just him widening the metaphor further, even if it right. doesn't quite get get anywhere. Like it, it's it, it's just so interesting. like how willing to dream it, it feels like he was while he was writing this. Like, and maybe maybe today is more of me just fanning over Richard Bronigan than actually talking about the prose itself. but I, I just find him to be such an interesting figure in literature and in an American literature um that that it's just it, it's really i don't know it's just really great like, it's just something that I, I have a lot of heart for
1: yeah uh, um have you ever heard of an asher sentence
0: i found out about those today from the uh, depths of wikipedia instagram are you on there as well
1: no, but I should no. get on it. What did that okay. one say? How'd that one describe it?
0: Well, it, it's just a, it, it's an Instagram that um, brings up stuff from Wikipedia, uh, the just weird things on there. And one of them was the Wikipedia article on the Escher sentence of the sentence that if it looks like it means something, but on examination doesn't. Like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who's-
1: I'm like, kind of, I've been like, kind of furious about the Escher sentence example I, I read, which was like, more people have been to russia than i have mm-hmm. and it's like you wait <laughs> like, yeah. more people have been to russia than i have you are not
0: <laughs> i was stuck on that one too because it's just like no that's that's true more people have been to russia than you Th- have than I. oh i have uh. been to russia You've... It just almost makes sense. Um, <laughs> it just touches it, like it just touches it the edge touches of sense. Touches yeah, touches
1: sense. Yeah, the Andrew Carnegie of trout made me think of that. Like, mm. um, I don't know what this image means. Like, this looks, this has like all the texture of it should be uh, a metaphor that I get, and I, I don't. Um, but mm. it's a good
0: time. Yeah, yeah, because we like, you know, it, it comes to this thing of just like. It seems to be reflecting on, like, trout trout fishing and fishing as this, like, foundational thing. But that falls apart when you realize that trout fishing is being used as a stand-in for anything else that it could have also been. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you could be talking about trout fishing as this personally meaningful thing. It's like, oh, it builds foundation. It, it, it's like, you know, the Andrew Carnegie of trout is how trout fishing can be, you know, brought through a person to... Really like have that solid grounding, and we can create industry for from how how much it can mean to us. But instead, it's the the signifier itself is empty, like mm-hmm. the the it doesn't point to anything it, by virtue of it trout fishing just being this kind of stand-in phrase. Yeah, um, yeah. What a
1: high risk exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mean to tell me this this exercise, which is designed to make a nonsensical short linked short story collection
0: mm-hmm.
1: was popular. Like this book was popular. It
0: was huge apparently. And that's, and that's one of the weirdest things about it, right? That it's like, this is such a like odd work. This feels like it should be a footnote almost because of how strange it is. But it just, it, it came out at the right time. It caught on to people. It, it was just the age when people were talking about, taking down all structures and systems and this was really confrontational to what a book should be. Um, and I think yeah. that that really comes through on it. Like, it, it really brings that. Like, yeah.
1: To have this kind of an exercise payoff, it seems really high risk and you really have to make each nonsensical thing truly delightful on its own. <clears throat> like, the the amount of pressure on each image to stand completely like, if if, if images aren't Combining and building on each other to to build sense. like mm-hmm. the amount of pressure on each individual Image or in this crazy PDF line um to to, mm-hmm. to stand totally on its own is is really high.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it definitely is like the the strength of the writing because it isn't just nonsense. If it was just nonsense, it would just be it, it would no one would want to read it because there it, it does have to like you're saying live in its imagery and, and live in that kind of moment to moment that it describes. Even if the moments fall away as the next one comes into being,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, it's it, it definitely is super reliant on that. Be, it, it it gets away with a lot, I think, because it's it's funny. Like it's mm-hmm. not trying to be super serious about trout fishing in America. It has moments where it's sentimental, and a lot of moments where it's very sweet and kind. Um, but but it is not at any moment be. It's always winking. It, it's always yeah. like winking at the audience and just being playful it is yeah. super important. And if it didn't do that, I it, it I don't think it could work. Like yeah
1: like another a moment where i was like i don't know what it means but i know it's winking at me like i know it's trying to invite me to have a fun silly time with it Mm -hmm. um from knock on wood part two the Mm next section the same thing once happened happened pardon the same thing once happened to me i remember mistaking an old woman for a trout stream in vermont and i had to beg her pardon excuse me i said i thought you were a trout stream i'm not she said <laughs> That's
0: it. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> exactly, and, and, and it and it comes after a point, like the the section right before that is the reply of trout fishing in America. There was nothing I could do. I couldn't change a flight of stairs into a creek. The boy walked back to where he he came from the same thing happened to me once. Like, the he's, like, forging this relationship with Trout Fishing in America, which is both a character, a stand-in, and, and all these other things. It, and I reflecting. I thought it was a book. Yeah, yeah.
1: I thought it was a literal book.
0: Um. It, it is also the book. Like, I, I don't think it's wrong <laughs> to say that it's, like, him talking to the book and, and him, like, saying, oh, and then, you know, the book I was writing reacted to me in this way. There, there's a... Uh, there's a point um, and I don't believe it's in trout fishing in America. It might be, I think it might be in, in watermelon sugar, another by him where he talks about talking to a writer friend of his and and his writer friend was like, Oh yeah, man, I wrote you into my book. You're a character in my book. That's awesome. And then he like, he reads the book and finds out that he's the character that in one scene, in one page opened the door for another character to walk through the door. And he's like, it it, it, it's so weird because it's a moment where he's like the character wasn't described at all but i knew it was me that was me in the book you're gonna talk up put it like it's (laughs) it's so irreverent and and so it's self-aware of its status as a book without breaking the fourth wall like i don't think that that could that's really a fourth wall break when he talks about trout fishing in America as like the replier. Like even if it is the book, it it feels stranger than that because it feels like the book is a character in the book in that scenario.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, just a few episodes ago when BR Yeager came on, he was talking about that section from 300 million where it like acknowledges, this is a book. You are reading a book. Mm -hmm. There is a noise in your house. You should be afraid. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's weird. That's interesting to be able to acknowledge the book without using you or um, it's like making the book that you are currently holding a character. But it's still like, at least the sections I read, like this character, this book, the character is uh, behaving and staying within the confines of the weird story that's happening.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not trying to exist in the room with you in the same way 300 million is. Like, it's trying to still just be the book, but the book is aware of itself in some way, or at least... Or maybe it's better to say that the writer is aware of the end result of the book. Like, it's not yeah. trying to separate... The, the The writer is very present throughout. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's just... It's fun. Uh, I don't know. Like, the, the sequence in Red Lip... Um, that just starts with, 17 years later, I sat down on a rock. Like, 17 years from when? Like, we don't have time yeah. scale. Like, it,
1: I started to feel like, did I miss a section? Like, is this PDF that messed up? or what?
0: No, it's just, it was 17 years later. And, and then, you know, it was under a tree next to an old abandoned shack that had a sheriff's notice nailed to the funeral wreath. to Like a funeral wreath to the front door. No trespassing. <laughs> Four-seventeenths <laughs> of, uh, of a haiku. And that, that that's it. Then we're just going to kind of go past that where I'm just, like, putting this little joke in here. like uh, Yeah,
1: the sheriff is notating how many syllables is in his no trespassing sign compared to how many syllables are required for a haiku.
0: <laughs> exactly. Like, it's not even, like, a full first line of a haiku. It's just like, uh, I don't know, four-seventeenths. Yeah. Yeah yeah and i
1: love the bit about the outhouse can i read that Mm -hmm. that was weird
0: yeah please um
1: so a little ways up from the shack was an outhouse with its door flung violently open the inside of the outhouse was exposed like a human face and the outhouse seemed to say the old guy who built me crapped here 9,745 times and he's dead now and I don't want anyone else to touch me. He was a good guy. He built me with loving care. Leave me alone. I'm a monument now to a good-ass gone up under. There's no mystery here. That's why the door is open. If you have to crap, go in the bushes like a deer. Fuck you, I said to the outhouse. <laughs> 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 This guy has a relationship with this, uh, yeah. this uh, structure, this lean-to. Um.
0: Yeah, all I want is a ride down the river. <laughs> and, and it's just, you know, in that moment, it's like he's exploring the scene. He's exploring the setting and, like, the place that he's in. He's like, okay, over here there's an outhouse um, a, a little ways up from the shack. So, okay, I'm going to now examine that outhouse. But once again, he just gets, like, distracted by the story of the outhouse and like, oh, it doesn't want me near it because someone else built it and it's mad about that. And then... He goes on to just undo that entire moment by saying, I'm not even interested in that. Fuck you, outhouse. I don't care who built you or who crafted you. I'm My goal is completely on the, uh, like, parallel to that. I'm not, e- I'm not even concerned about any of that. Yeah.
1: But if his goal actually was parallel to the outhouse, then we would have found out if he ever got the ride down the river. I guess. Mm-hmm. So, Ben. Mm-hmm. Does this pay off? Like, does it build to anything? Is there, I mean, if he's going around saying that this is a novel rather than a collection of stories mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. happen to be linked, what's the climax?
0: Oh, there, there definitely isn't. Like, I, there, there's a, um, there's a scene in the middle of the book that I guess could be considered the climax where he has sex with trout fishing in America. Um, and, and I think that that's probably the the moment that it spends longest with it. But it's like. What it is is something that I think is better consumed more kind of ambiently, more kind of just allowing yourself to be with it and be in it and, and not worrying so much about where it's going because the moment you're concerned with, like, something, is something going to happen, like, it, the book will just deny you that payoff 100% because it's always going gotcha. to go to the other direction. Um gotcha. And it helps that it's really short um, all the sentences for are sure. really short all the chapters are really short you know you can read this book in an in two hours so you're not going to feel like you wasted your time on it like mm-hmm. it, if you're into it then, then it's definitely not going to feel like a, a problem that that it like asked you to go here and then it's not actually resolving anything that it claims to set up like for sure yeah for sure. yeah
1: i mean it- it's I feel like in the few sections I've read, there were like, for example, in that section where he's trying to get a ride, he's trying to hitchhike, he's trying to get a ride down the river, like, there were a few sections where I felt like, oh, he's sort of setting up or maybe there's a seed of it and I'm choosing to latch on to Mm -hmm. a point here Mm -hmm. Um, and he doesn't deliver on it, you Mm -hmm. know, we don't know if he got a ride down the the river, he's like really denying that from Mm -hmm. us. Was this a thing? I don't really know enough about, like, the Jack Kerouac era. Mm -hmm. What were they called? The Uh, the Beats?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Was that, like, a thing for them? I don't know anything about that era.
0: The only beat that I've read really extensively would be um, Allen Ginsberg, and he was a poet. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's, you know, it's in a different thing when they're trying to when they're doing poetry but like all of his poems had like like i won't say all of them because i haven't read all of them but like a lot of them they have points they have theses and ideas that they're trying to explore and they definitely have language they're trying to explore in the way that poems do but i've never read like on the road or anything like that um i think i did read on the road but uh it didn't exactly stick with me um it's there's a lot of concern with tone I can say that that here in this book is definitely someone who's very concerned with tone over everything else, um, and, and like I don't know. I guess, and this is just me kind of asking you a question. Like, where where do you stand on tone in, in your writing and in your reading? Like, like what? How hmm. important is tone to you a, a, as a observer and creator?
1: Hmm. Um. Clearly, given that I don't have an answer ready to go here, clearly Mm -hmm. not something I prioritize. um, Mm -hmm. I think as far as, like, the screenwriters John August and Craig Mm Mazin, they have a podcast named Script Script Notes. Um, I don't recall which of them gave the advice, but the other one agreed, so I'm going to repeat it here as a collective advice, um, which was that uh, the energy in your scene should flip in order mm-hmm. to feel like the story is moving forward. Mm-hmm. So you start a scene, your main character's marriage story. Adam mm-hmm. driver walks into the kitchen and he's like really familiar, ha- acting really familiar, happy go lucky, like snacking on, like helping himself to snacks in the fridge. And then he gets served divorce papers. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, that character's like emotions flip mm-hmm. in that scene. And that's mm-hmm. like a really cool scene to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, because of a ton of details and great dialogue and all that but also because it just feels like there's a lot of momentum like something is changing in front of Mm -hmm. me in the scene Mm -hmm. um so i think that tone needs to be or energy tone i'm not sure exactly if this fits in but Mm -hmm. like i think that you need as a writer i've tried to become more conscientious of like making sure that the feeling is flipping Mm -hmm. throughout a scene Mm -hmm. in order for it Mm -hmm. to feel like something happened
0: okay yeah. So, so it's more like tone is a result in that scenario then. Like we, we yeah. bring in like we, we bring in an understanding of an emotional state or a like state in the world or just like, like like you said, like something that will change that we as the writer will put causal energy into to change and then tone falls out of the results of the change. Like, yes. okay, if, interesting. If
1: a, a whole novel, if a whole book has the exact same tone for the entire story, I am going to lose patience. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gideon mm-hmm. the Ninth, for example, like, she's irreverent, and, like, it stays true to her voice, but her level of, like, investment, other things mm-hmm. change dramatically to make it still feel fresh, rather than to just feel like she's, as as we said in the Gideon the Ninth episode, like... Mm-hmm so that she's not just like the whole tone of the book isn't like this is stupid and this and the story sucks you know like there other things change so so that you can protect and keep stay honest to the voice staying consistent
0: okay
1: Um, anyway i guess my take is like tone should change throughout a story Mm -hmm. otherwise Mm -hmm. it just feels one note
0: Mm -hmm. and -hmm. i'm gonna lose interest yeah, of course, uh, absolutely agreed on, on that, that tone, tone does need to change, you need to have multiple tones, but I guess what I'm asking also about is like, is tone something that you can ru- directly write, or are, are you, do you think that tone is huh. something that, or not even that you can, I'm sure you can or can't, but do you think it's worth attempting to write directly to tone, or it, it, or do we need to allow the other aspects of what we write to create the tone, essentially, like, like tone? tone comes out of that or, or can't, or is there something in attempting to write directly to tone?
1: That's an interesting question that I have not considered before. Mm -hmm. Do you have an opinion on it?
0: Yeah, I I think
1: you can write prioritizing tone rather than mood or voice or whatever the other ingredients that add up into tone are.
0: I mean, it's, I'm coming to these questions now in this conversation as well. Like, and the reason I'm asking is because I hope that you can, like I, Mm -hmm. I want that to be something that is possible um it, it, in writing i i don't know if it is and, and i bring it up in this discussion because i think that it could be said that that's something that Brodigan does here is that he writes directly mm-hmm. to tone I- instead of to um you know the things that would create tone as the effect of their existence like tone is mm-hmm. cause rather than effect i guess um but but i worry like that it's like you know it is not sustainable beyond the pathway of a short work like how how could you like you couldn't, if this book was 300 pages long, no one would have read it, like, or anyone that did would have said this should have been half this length. Um, yeah.
1: Or they would have, you know, read it like a lot of us read short story collections, which is, they would have just, like, kind of browsed it, grazed it, not, mm-hmm. like, done, you know, flipped around in one order they read, they wouldn't have read it start to finish. Like, it was, like, one sitting like this. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Okay, it's been a long time since I read this, mm-hmm. but... Isn't Lolita also prioritizing tone?
0: Is it? I have not read Lolita.
1: Okay, so Lolita, you know, it's Nabokov. He writes uh, Herbert Herbert. is Mm -hmm. uh, He writes a pedophilic character. Mm -hmm. It's a pedophilic narrator describing... I think he, like, kidnaps the, the, like, prepubescent girl, right? Um, But the tone of how he talks is... um, like Nobukov has said that his goal was to experiment and see if he could write a real villain so um, prettily that mm. people would still root for him. That mm-hmm. w- That's what Nobukov has said his goal was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of prioritizing tone, too, mm-hmm. right? It's like this, it's it's from the pedophile's perspective, and it's like really elevating, mm-hmm. um, really like worshiping this prepubescent girl who is. Mm-hmm sorry probably not a very flattering comparison point when talking about don
0: <laughs> I, I mean but also I, I think we can talk about nabokov and say you know he he's considered a master by many i I have I, and the stuff that I have read by him I have enjoyed the that wasn't that um for the most part so I don't think it's too unflattering to compare to nabokov like by any means like yeah <laughs>
1: yeah don't don't act upon your pedophilic feelings, guys. So yeah. I'm just just <laughs> putting that in the air. Just making the, sure to take a second.
0: If, if there are any pedophiles listening, uh, stop. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Inj- Actually, I don't know enough about this. I'm not going to get into it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, I think that that may be an example of, you know, another popular successful case of um, mm. prioritizing, like, tone and... His goal was to make it so pretty and worshipful that you forget that it's pedophilic and bad. Yeah. Um, Yeah
0: because that's like tone through character also it's like because it's the character voice that we're talking about that creates that right like, like is it's because yeah. he wanted the character to become likable like yeah. through this use of tone like through through this use of because I that, that's really interesting because I I think I think you're right like I, I think that does prioritize tone and then channeling that through something it's the I guess that it shows that I maybe you do need to always have a channel but like I I don't I don't know if you do always have to have a channel but i think if you don't then it's always going to end up being experimental and divisive right like yeah is
1: this channel of where he replaces uh a character in a scene or a, mm-hmm. a name or a noun any random thing is that not a writing constraint that is yeah like i think he's channeling it yeah in a very yeah. weird yeah. way but i yeah. think he's channeling it
0: yeah absolutely like because it's not just you know like like you're saying it's not just nothing like it is through a series of techniques yeah absolutely like yeah mm. yeah you you do have to put it through something like there has to be a a, a visage it, it can't just exist and I, I mean like this isn't definitive but like I, I think that you're right like that that's a good point like yeah
1: yeah i think tone is something i haven't heard of writers like i haven't heard any good craft talks about writers who are setting out to write a certain tone to experiment with a certain tone i've heard of writers Mm -hmm. setting out you know i want to try this kind of voice i want to try that kind of voice um i want to try a story about this subject matter the
0: setting or the these other things yeah
1: yeah or like you know i've heard of writers setting out like i want to write a story set in a sunny day with a really dark and cloudy mood Mm
0: -hmm. you know Mm -hmm.
1: um but yeah i mean just to let me just like define this belatedly like Mm -hmm. tone mood is the like mood of the story like the Mm -hmm. uh, the feelings evoked by Mm -hmm. by what is happening
0: in the reader the feelings evoked like yeah yeah and tone is
1: like the slant or the perspective that the writing takes on the subject matter
0: yes yeah agreed yeah Mm -hmm.
1: okay so I mean, how else can you communicate? You have to use a tool to communicate that, right?
0: Yeah, you do. But see, now I want to try to do it without a tool. Like, I want to see if it's possible, if it can itself be the tool. Like, I guess that's what I'm trying to come to, is if it can be its own, you know it but but it does like there has to at least be image and that's something that it has to exist through like it it's it is always going going to piggyback i guess that's why it's called tone you know like it it's something that's resonant like it, it's oh. not something that's you know <laughs> that that has specific calling yeah huh
1: i personally felt myself feeling more engaged in the sections here where i like knew enough about what it was tangibly describing. Speaking, Mm -hmm. you talked about ekphrastic writing earlier, Mm -hmm. which is, Mm -hmm. um, again, defining terms, making sure I got this right. Ekphrastic is like when you, writing that is about another piece of art. So like Mm -hmm. writing about a statue or writing about like a painting. Yep. Um, So this Richard Bradigan's Trout Fishing in America starts with a section describing a statue of Ben Franklin. Mm -hmm. And I found that just the language in there really gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, so he holds some papers in one hand and his hat in the other. Then the statue speaks saying in marble presented by HD Cogswell to our boys and girls. Um, the statue speaks in marble. I just mm-hmm. was like stunned by that. That was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I felt myself like, I, th- I think maybe this is again, my bias as a reader, but, mm-hmm. um, I'm more excited about language when I feel like I am grounded. Mm-hmm. Like, there were other moments, like, later in other sections that, that I looked through that, like, I'm sure the language was cool, but I felt less grounded, and so I was less excited about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I was, like, noticing it less.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I get that. Like, it, when it is just language qua language, like, like, the language itself is supposed is supposed to be the grounding thing. It is, like, inherently more ephemeral because we don't... We, we can't tie it to anything except for, you know, the act of reading it. Like, yeah. it, it, there's no memory or anything we can focus it to. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like I, I just find that stuff so interesting, though. I, I, I love it when writing attempts to just exist as writing, when, when it tries to really... Push away the expectations that we have of things like story and, and character and and setting, and really tries to just be writing and seeing what that looks like. Like writing as artistic, like exploration, is mm. always something that 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 I am always very drawn to. Even if a lot of the time I, I think the same thing happens to me where without those concrete things like you don't have any like it's harder to figure out what it is like what what is the paragraph I just read other than a collection of words. But I, I think that that, you know, making a reader consider that is also valuable in its own right. Yeah. Why
1: are you so interested in like what does it mean to write? Like that seems like a question that like, like what does it mean for writing to be writing outside of genre or formal expectations? Like, why do you think that is so interesting for you? It it
0: comes, I I think it comes from like a personal desire to understand, like if I may be like personal and like vulnerable, um, it it comes from a personal desire to understand why I am alive and like Mm. what things are. And, And I think I want to understand things in their purest form because it, I there's a part of me, however flawed it is, that if I if I can understand things as just in the single slice that they actually inhabit, attempt to like find their actual edges of their definitions, um, it, it it means that things can make sense in a way that I often fear that the world cannot. Like huh. yeah, that's
1: really interesting. I feel like, so uh, we definitely diverge on our opinions on if this is on that question. And Mm -hmm. I think it's like, like if, if, if we were looking at like somebody had constructed a Lego structure and not like one of those, like, you know, build the, whatever it's pre-made in this package, but Mm -hmm. if someone had just taken Lego blocks and made their own thing, Mm -hmm. like you're interested in like breaking it into sections or like breaking it into individual pieces and like trying to make meaning of the individual pieces and I'm like cool can I use it to set my beer on or what you know like I'm like what can I use this for like Mm -hmm. great what is the purpose Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. I think I think we have a I think the root of why our taste of all diverges so much is like I just like and less existential about these things like i'm just Mm -hmm. like great now what do i do with it (laughs) what is where are we going what's the point
0: yeah exactly like thus giving you the ability to actually get things done finish them um do (laughs) like uh, complete tasks (laughs) and not just fucking wander around all the goddamn time like i do but yeah (laughs) less
1: less 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 philosophically
0: (laughs) (laughs) no it it, i I promise what i say only comes from a place of admiration for your ability and what you do so absolutely
1: (laughs) back at you you.
0: Uh, but yeah yeah and yeah i don't know trout fishing in america honestly listener if you're i i say read this book it's it's worth it it's really good um and it, it makes me misty it's one of those things that i just like i get warm fuzzies when i read this book so it, it, it's yeah
1: you know it's ironic hang on i'm, I'm still hung up on our di- yeah.
0: di- divergence of opinions yeah
1: it's ironic that like you want to break things into what they are in their purest existence but then the result of that is you have a tolerance for things that don't make sense like mm-hmm. stories and writing that doesn't isn't fucking practical And Mm -hmm. I don't. Like, it's Mm -hmm. interesting that the root of why you do that is because you're, like, so interested in things making sense to you. Mm -hmm. But in how they make sense to you, they don't make any sense to me. That's really funny.
0: (laughs) Well, because you see, if I can make sense of the things that don't make sense then i don't have to die that's what my brain tells me a lot of the time like it is not okay, true Ben's but brain. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> okay then
1: brain whatever you say about yeah
0: <laughs> it, it's just that desire for um for for understanding so the the harder something uh, is to understand the more desire i have to figure it out and, and to try to glean meaning from it that's for sure mm. huh
1: that's fascinating. We have such a difference of opinion on because I'm just like, all right, this one isn't worth the investment. Let's move on to the next like
0: That's fair. That's very fair too. Uh, wow. you can...
1: Bizarre. <laughs> um, okay, wait, Ben, so how would you turn Trout fishing in America? He is guided by language, is interested mm. in tone and and the like humorous, irreverent also sometimes nostalgic tone. Mm -hmm. Um, And he replaces random nouns with the term trout fishing in America, which is also the title of the book.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: What writing exercises based on all this are you thinking about?
0: This I can give a very concrete answer for is I think specifically to when we look at him just replacing phrases with trout fishing in America. That's a great example of constraint based writing. Like, that, mm-hmm. that's a very definitional thing of just like setting up a rule set for yourself and then writing to that rule set. Like, and just not allowing yourself to break it for a little while, especially if you're generating a draft. Like, it's great for generation, especially. Like, it's, you know, you, you set up these rules and follow them rigidly, and you can break them in your editing. But, like, you'll get really, really fascinating stuff that you didn't know you could write because mm-hmm. suddenly you you find yourself in a corner and need to find a way out of it within the rules so you you have to think creatively around them um, it, it, it's and it's always just really fun it, it's a great way to write stuff that you'll never read again it's a great way to write just like get stuff out and just have a ha, ha, play games while you're writing it, it, and it it makes the you know as we said earlier in this episode how hard and frustrating that can be sometimes it, it, it's a way to refresh yourself give yourself a little juice
1: on the subject of, um, well, one, both of us struggling to do our fifteen a day, fifteen minutes a day of writing, and mm-hmm. also of constraint-based writing. I recently stumbled upon Jeanette Winterson's um, ten rules to writing that she gave The Guardian. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeanette Winterson, uh, her first rule is, uh, discipline allows creative freedom. Um, I just think that's true. Mm-hmm. Constraint- mm-hmm. constraints allow you, especially in that generative phase constraints really help you just get creative
0: Mm. yeah exactly Uh, like it is just that that willing to be you know put yourself into spaces that you might be slightly uncomfortable while you're writing um and and that can be anything also you know you the i i um I took a an online class once that that was really based on um generation for writing. That was a big part of it, um and setting up rule sets and you know the guy that was running the class was um really talking about um you know this can really be anything. Like he, he's talking about it, it's like oh yeah I found a child's ruler on the ground once and that you know it had a series of shapes on it, so I wrote to those shapes kind of thing. Like huh. what does it mean to write in relation to these series of shapes like cool. like yeah you know it, it it can be whatever feels right he someone in the class like blindfolded themselves and played white noise through their headphones while they were writing like their generated Whoa. stuff yeah like yeah Weird. it, it was cool yeah <laughs> weird cool yeah. so so yeah that that's where that's where to go with it um just just, just write write to a constraint F- figure out a rule set and then just make yourself obey it for a while yeah
1: yeah and do something weird, make yeah. make the conventional, boring reader Emily's of the world. Um, <laughs> make us cringe. Make us make us befuddled. Um, <laughs> do it. I dare you.
0: <laughs> Please. <laughs> oh man, awesome. But on that note, uh, what have you been uh, reading or watching or doing? That's been felt good. Okay.
1: before i say this i'm clarifying i live in a state where weed is legal um so this weekend (laughs) i hadn't i haven't been smoking or doing any weed related activities for a very long time Mm. this weekend i took an edible and i watched a documentary and i was thrilled
0: Ah. um this documentary (laughs) it's
1: called Jasper Mall, Um, Jasper Mall. (gasps) Oh, look at Ben's facial expression on this video call. (laughs) I love that
0: movie. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah, I'm
1: in. I'm crazy for this movie. I do this thing when I'm high, where like I work harder to keep Mm. up with things. So I'm Mm -hmm. like actually thinking a lot more. I'm a lot more actively engaged. I'm actually Mm -hmm. going to Mm -hmm. notice more when I'm high. Sometimes for this Mm -hmm. kind of for like while I'm sitting still and watching a movie, at least kind of things. Um, So Jasper Mall. It's about a dying mall in, um, like, rural, sparsely populated Alabama, um, Jasper, Alabama. And, like, the beginning of the movie, it was just, like, a lot of shots of, like, walking around the mall following Mm -hmm. people. And I kept, like, the phrase, like, we've strayed so far from God's light occurred to me. But then I was Mm -hmm. like, not God's light. We've strayed so far from, like, nature with capital N. Mm -hmm. Anyway, didn't Mm -hmm. follow that thought. Instead, kept watching... um, and it's just like I don't know why all these people agreed to this, but it's just like these documentarians like filming friends hanging out in the mall. Yeah. And so like just having watching different people, just what they talk about unprompted, mm-hmm. um, it was the best dialogue. Like it was mm-hmm. really fascinating dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. This movie, you guys, you've seen mm-hmm. it then?
0: Yes. The specifically when you're talking about the dialogue, I remember there's a moment between two women. The, that are, like, talking about, like, having the yes. classic I-just-want-to-get-out-of-this-town conversation. Like, yeah. and it hits so hard because of that. Like, like it just, like, it, it's so, like, it, it's very, very human, the experiences that they showcase in this movie. Like, it, and it really, it, it's a movie that could have so easily been poverty porn, but wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, it. I kept thinking to myself, like, oh, I know that person. Like, mm-hmm. not literally that person, but, like, mm-hmm. I know, like, this is a reflection of so many people who I know and people who I've, like, worked really hard to get to know really well.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: know why the hell anyone would allow a documentarian to film such personal conversations, mm-hmm. but it was thrilling.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely second Jasper Mall, Great movie. Great fucking movie. Heck
1: yeah. of a time. Heck of a time. Yeah. Heck of a time. What about you, Ben? What do you recommend? Yeah.
0: Uh, I just started it, but it's already really great. Um, John Darniel's new novel, Devil House. Um, John Darnielle of the Mountain Goats, uh, lead, lead oh. singer, songwriter of that group. Yeah, and it's his third book, and it's... It makes me very angry that he is both such a great musician and he can write. It's his third book, and it's it's three for three so far with this man. He's really good at writing books. <laughs> like there, he has a great sense of like character in here. It's like I'm like seventy pages into about a four hundred page book, but it's just you know, it's a kind of the main character is a true crime writer, um, and he moves into this place that's called the Devil House. Um, where a crime took place and it's about him writing his next book uh, about this place but basically where it's kind of clear that it's starting to become an indictment of true crime as a genre and and the complexity that goes with that yeah it it's because he's starting to like meet the people that are around the house and learning that of course the story uh, of this murder is not like the story, the like, you know, heightened, like, uh, satanic panic story that it's always been betray- portrayed to be. Like, yeah. yeah. To just re- reflecting on the humanness of the people that are involved in crimes. Yeah. Dang.
1: <laughs> okay. I will admit my ignorance. I actually didn't know that he was also a novelist. But mm-hmm. um, my, like, entry level knowledge of the mountain goats, that just makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they did an album just set in a random town in West Texas where it's just like different characters narrating, right? To each yeah. other. <laughs> yeah. I think about the Mountain Coat song, If You See Light a lot. Do you know that one?
0: I don't know if I do, they have so many. What, what, If You See Light? Uh, what album is this off of?
1: Uh, get Lonely.
0: Off of Get Lonely, yeah. Get, get Lonely is definitely one that I've listened to less, but yeah, yeah, go on, yeah
1: um i just think about this okay if i do this you have to do also do your favorite mountain goats lyric are you up for that
0: oh um yeah yeah absolutely okay
1: so um the the this mountain goat song if you if you see light when the villagers come to my door i will hide underneath the table in the dining room knees drawn to my chest Mm. like that's a that's the opening i'm just Mm. in love with the mountain goats about
0: Mm. that Okay, so uh, I will do the same thing. Uh, my favorite Mountain Goats lyric is off of uh, the song Hast Thou Considered the Tetrapod uh, from The Sunset Tree, his very personal album about his abusive stepfather. Um, oh. the, there is a, um, a moment in this song where the, there's a But I do wake you up, and when I do, you blaze down the hall and you scream. I'm in my room with the headphones on, deep in the dream chamber. And then I'm awake, and I'm guarding my face, hoping you don't break my stereo. The hoping you don't break my stereo just breaks me every Mm. time that I hear that line. Like, it's so, Mm. such a specific moment and mood. It's so good. Like, Yeah. (laughs)
1: Damn, these writers, these cross-genre writers coming into our fiction territory and just blowing us out of the goddamn water.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sylvia
1: Plath, John Darnell, get out of our
0: face. (laughs) (laughs) What am I supposed to do? Um, Yeah, John Darnell, come on the podcast. Um, Just saying. Um,
1: I'm all for it. I'm
0: all for it. Oh, man. But yeah, that's, that's my recommendation. But yeah, other than that, if there's any i i feel good if there's anything you want to close out on for us emily please feel free
1: what i want to close out on is a a call to action
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is dear listener can you think of any story or you know other piece of creative writing that prioritizes tone can mm. you think of anything that prioritizes tone and if so could you send us a link yeah. um because ben and i could not think of enough yeah um So you can email us at goodwritingpodcast at gmail.com if you want to send us a true link. If it's a quick little ditty, um, you can find us on Twitter at goodwritingpod.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, Please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, whatever platform that you choose to listen to the podcast on. Five stars. And a review, that always helps. So thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week.
1: Thanks, everybody. See you on Monday.
0: Monday, Monday, Monday. (laughs) Peace be with you. (laughs) (laughs) And also with you.